I kept, I said this earlier, I kept waiting for Nathan to like flip around one of those like harmonicas on the thing, you know, <laughs> like Blues Traveler. You can use Blues Traveler on this one. Blues Traveler, yeah. Where'd that, where'd that guy go? He's, he's gone. I don't know where he went. And then you've got the, the, the faithful fudge. Can, are, are those words that you think you'd put together, Nathan? The faithful fudge? <laughs> the faithful fudge. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'll tell you the story. For those of you who don't know, fudge was recently famous in the news, literally going viral. Literally going viral. If you don't know what that means, it's not throwing up. I'll just, you know, figure it out later. Go look it up or something. Uh, but uh, now he was, uh, uh, Fudge uh, is a fellow Predators fan, as he should be. If you're not, you may want to find somewhere else. I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, no, uh, Fudge, big, big Preds fan, and he had tweeted to the Preds they were going to give away some tickets during the playoffs. And he tweeted to the Preds, hey, would love tickets, whatever. Did you have to like send a picture or something? Are you wearing Predators stuff or something? So anyway, he did whatever it was, and he won. Game six tickets. Game six. He didn't find out for like a month later because he didn't sign back into his Twitter. And so he's in like a month later and he's like, oh, hi, Nashville Predators. Uh, I'm just getting this message. And of course, there's people like Lewis and myself that are like, what would have happened if you'd been there? You know, I mean, you know, could have all been different. I mean, you know. So, but anyway, so so this, so he tweets back to the Preds, hey, I'm sorry I missed your message a month later, uh, you know, and uh, and so uh, it hits, you know, it hits like every news outlet known to man that will touch anything that talks about sports. And, and they all talked about, I mean, for like three days, all I saw in my feed on social media was Andrew Fudge, Andrew Fudge, pictures of Fudge, never seen so many pictures. I don't know how all these pictures got leaked to the, to the media anyway. All these pictures of Andrew, and I mean, like, there's a, there was a news comment, there's a news, news lady commentator on ESPN that was, you know, they're like back and forth talking about Andrew and all this stuff and fudge and all this stuff. And, and she's, like, she's like, let me stop you guys. Let me stop you guys. This man has got it going on. Okay? And I, I, I warned Whitney. Like I told her, I was like, you better watch out. This woman is coming for your husband. She was like, she was like he, can, he can go without Twitter for a month. Look at that beard. I mean, like she, I mean, she just, I forget what. She had one other. She had like a three-point Deal. I can't remember what the other one was, but anyway. So, but really, the you know, so like I'm sitting there watching all this stuff, and I mean, they're making this big deal about it. You got interviewed by different people and stuff, and then that was out there and everything too. And in the midst of that, the one thing that never came up that I like, I I was like, I was like, do I leak it and like give this thing like another boost and just see this thing go up? Is the fact that he's Patsy Klein's grandson. And so, you know, I was like, you know, let's throw that out there and let's see what they do with that. I never did leak it. You could right now if you want to tweet to ESPN, you know. But uh, I don't know, maybe too late. So, yeah, a lot of, lot of fun there. A lot of fun there. Um, so, speaking of the news, um, lots, of, lots of crazy stuff. Um, um, Man, sometimes when you preach a message like what I'm preaching today, like to th even think about doing it twice. 
seems like an impossibility in my mind, and it has to be a God thing. I, that's, I, I can't explain why that is, and it doesn't matter. But um, anyway, uh, last weekend, um, I had my head in the sand or whatever else and didn't really know what was going on in the news. Uh, and then late, late Saturday night, I started kind of tuning back in, I guess, to the world of, you know, whatever's going on and started seeing the stuff that happened in Charlottesville and uh, just all that stuff. And, and I'll be honest with you, even that Saturday night, and, and this, is, this is bad to say, but I think that you probably can understand it, uh, I think that I'm so numb to seeing things that are going on, I was just like, man, that, it, I mean, I was like, that's another horrible tragedy. There's just another you know, horrible example of evil in our world and all this stuff and, and people allowing evil to be, you know, such a huge factor in their lives. And, you know, that was obvious to me uh, in seeing all that. Uh, and so, um, anyway, um, so Sunday morning, I, I really wasn't even prepared to even really talk about it, think about it. And as, and as the next couple of days went on and I heard more and learned more and all of that, I just, I just began to feel convicted to like, I have some responsibility as as a leader, as a pastor of our church, um, and and as a believer, just to just to talk about this for at least a minute. And um, I may make somebody mad today. I don't I don't really intend to. That's not why I'm setting out to talk about this today. Uh, I, I just felt like the conviction was all about what would Jesus say to this? What would what would Jesus do given situations in in this time, in this day and age, in 2017 and you know, you're, you're talking about um, a joke, but not a joke that was made earlier to me uh, by one of the guys was, you know, G Jesus, Jesus was killed by the ultimate hate crime. You know, I mean, I mean, you just you just take into effect all of Jesus's ministry, and um, and we're looking at some of that today, and it speaks to us about who we're called to be in this world. And and I think for us today, and and, and by the way, we're gonna we're gonna talk about several things today. We're gonna, uh, racism will come up. I'm showing a video in a little while. There's some stuff in there about the KKK. If, you're, if you've got a young child and you're not ready to explain all that to them today, I'm just giving you a forewarning of that. Uh, that'll be later in the service. But, um, you, know, some, you know, it's important for us to be able to, like, back up and, and look at where God has put us in this world and ask hard questions about who we are and how we look at people and how we, how we, how we interact with people, how we treat people, and, and, and whether or not we love people or not. <clears throat> and I think for so many of us, I think that we kind of have this like, well, I love everybody and I'm cool with everybody and I agree with whatever and everybody. I mean, that's not true. I mean, we, we know that's not a true statement. We don't agree with everybody. Uh, and, you know, the truth is, is that uh, so many folks, and this is, a con this is a huge concern for me today, is so many folks that are the church, I'm saying the church as a whole, not just 24, not just this body of believers, but that the church as a whole today is, is, is putting themselves in a, in a place where it is all about our opinions instead of it being all about Christ's love and Him changing people's lives. Like we're, we are becoming roadblocks to the gospel with our social media feeds. I'll say that again. We are becoming roadblocks to the gospel because of our social media feeds. 
Like, you know, this stuff we're going to talk about today, by the way, let me just say this. I'm not interested in telling anybody where you should stand politically. That's not, that's not my place. That's not, I mean, you, I, I pray that you do this. I pray that you could say, where would Jesus want us to be? That is the bottom line. There is no other bottom line. I, I don't care what politician is doing what. I, honestly, I can't, I can't control any of that stuff. And for me to spend all of my time spouting all of this junk all over the place is getting in the way of the world knowing that the most important thing to me is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, and, and this isn't directed at any one person or people or whatever group, okay? This is, this is out of conviction. This is the message that God led me to. And by the way, uh, it's funny, it's, uh, you know, this week I'd been praying about, you know, what this message was going to look like already kind of had like this idea of, of this passage being a part of it that we're about to read. And then Wednesday, uh, after our uh, staff meeting or whatever, uh, the, the, uh, me and a couple of the guys on staff were going to go do some important stuff, uh, Ben and Nathan and I, uh, to go to Bass Pro, um, and, then, uh, and then eat hot chicken. That was the important stuff, was the eating of the hot chicken. So, but, anyway, uh, but anyway, in the ride, we were talking about all this stuff, and we were talking about specifically you know, just the world that we live in and how volatile things are right now in so many different ways. And, uh, and then one of them actually brought up this passage when I'd already been kind of like thinking about it, praying about it, uh, and then something else that we'll be sharing in the service too. So uh, it was just like God, God's setting this up, you know, kind of a thing. This isn't for me. This is from him. And I pray, I really do, I really pray uh, that today is not like, you know, Chris's opinion fest. I hope that it's never that. I pray that this is, this is we're looking for God's heart here and how would he lead us uh, in being his people. If you got your Bible, go ahead and get it out. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers have Bibles and they will bring you one. Just throw your hand up. Let them get you one. If you don't own one, you can keep it. Uh, if you uh, do own one, you just need to borrow it. That's fine too. We're going to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. And, uh, you know, here's an interesting little nugget of joy in Matthew 9. In this passage that we're looking at, Matthew kind of goes Seinfeld on us for just a second in the fact that he starts speaking in third person. You know, he, he's, he's, what he's, what he's doing is he's, you know, God, well, let's go back. Let me go back. So the gospels, if you don't know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospels are four different, four different accounts of the life of Jesus. So imagine like, you know, somebody was going to, if you had four of your friends that were going to write about your life and everything they knew about you, well, then they each have like these little different stories and things that they know about you. And like, you know, if I was going to write the history about some of you, I'd be able to write about like the times you got in trouble with the law or, you know, the different things, you know, and, and, you know, and other people may not know some of those things, you know, don't make yourself look guilty now. I'm just saying people over here laughing and stuff. And so anyway, but uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, but so Matthew is one of those people, okay? So he's written this account, okay? This, I mean, pretty amazing account. Let, let me just think about this for a second. Matthew has Sermon on the Mount, the Great Commission. 
I mean, like, you know, this is some of Jesus' greatest hits. Like, if he's coming on tour and we want to hear him talk through a few things, like, I'm thinking those are some of, like, the, you know, like, we're closing. We're doing encores with some of those guys, okay? And, and, and so, you I mean, big stuff here. But then Matthew, like, throws into this, like, this whole, like, there's this little, little nugget of joy he throws in here. He tells us in this passage how he comes to meet Jesus, but he talks about himself in third person. Because again, he's trying to do like this non-biased, like I'm just giving you this historical account kind of thing. So thank God that the Lord used Matthew, and we're going to read this right now. It says Matthew 9, verse 9, and it says, As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. He rose and followed him. Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew was a tax collector. Now, for us in this day and age, we, we, there's a whole lot more checks and balances to the system. And obviously, everybody's got their opinions about the systems and you know, whether they're good or bad or done right or wrong or whatever. But in general, like, you know, a lot of us probably don't like really care to like meet the tax man, have to pay the tax man, so to speak. In that day and age, whole different scenario. This was more like, you know, of like the mob, you know, who runs, you know, this part of town and they're coming by to collect their their share, you know, kind of thing. I mean, it was more it was more like that. In fact, to the point that, you know, Matthew had you know, this was an actual occupation. He was working for the Roman Empire, which that brings in all kinds of stuff too, because he's doing the, he's working for the Roman Empire and collecting taxes from all these Gentiles and all this stuff. So, I mean, not a very liked person were the tax collectors. But not just because they collected taxes, but also because of a lot of like what you would imagine with like the mob scenario where they're sending, you know, you know, cousin Larry or whatever over to, you know, collect the dues from, you know, whatever. I mean, I mean, extortion, like coming, you know, like literally like stealing from these people, like, well, you know, they think they owe this and no, no, we doubled it this month. And what it was is like they, and it was a known thing, like they would, they would lie and they would literally steal money from these people so that they could pocket money, they're padding their pockets. So tax collectors, the reason this is important for you to understand is, you know, tax collectors were hated. I mean, they were hated, okay? Like hated like Think about like somebody you hate. You may, you may go, well, I don't hate anybody. Think about a type of people you hate. I mean, think about like what happened last weekend. Think about some of those people involved in all of that in Charlottesville. I mean, it'd be real easy to be like, man, I, I hate those kind of people. Well, I mean, do we really hate those people? I mean, that's, that's this question. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna flesh this out here in a minute. So tax collectors were hated by the people. And so Matthew was a tax collector. Jesus comes along, sees him sitting in the booth, and he says to him, follow me. Follow me. And this isn't like, you know, follow me, let's go play a game of hopscotch. This is like, follow me, I want you to leave being a tax collector in your occupation, and I want you to come with me. I know you've had this lucrative deal going on, and you've been you know, stealing from everybody's grandma, but I want you to like, come with me right now. We're going to go do this. And so then in verse 10, it says this, it says, and as Jesus, okay, so here we go. As Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors 
and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. So Jesus goes from calling Matthew to come along with him to we're all going to go have dinner. Jesus is having dinner with tax collectors, not like, a, not like a couple. It's not like Matthew and his buddy, who also happens to be a tax collector. It says, Jesus reclined at the table in the house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. They've got a bunch of these people together in one spot. Known sinners. Okay, so... Just, just think about that for just a minute. Like, you know, in this day and age, like, who are we? Like, if we, if we're like, you know, what's a, who's a, I mean, we, we know that we're all sinners. You know, we all know that we're sinners. Everybody's a sinner and needs Jesus. But in, in that day and age, like, the idea would be like, who were the known sinners were people that were openly in sin. So, I mean, apply that to this day and age. And like these people, so Jesus is at dinner saying pass, pass the gravy to basically the most hated, unliked people that had like the scarlet letters that nobody wanted to have anything. I'm not going to be seen with them. And Jesus is over here reclined and having dinner with them. And, I'm, and, and he's, I love that he's got the disciples with him. And I'm sure that the disciples are over on the side going, Dude, what are we doing here? Like, we're going to get lynched when we leave here. Like, these people are going to be crazy at us. I mean, you've got to imagine, you've got to understand. Like, he might as well have been having dinner with the white supremacists that were doing what they were doing last weekend. We're talking about tax collectors. These are the people that have stolen from these other people's family members. Like, I know what, I know what that Matthew guy did to my grandma, you know, kind of thing. I mean, I mean, just imagine this, like, the hate was strong with these people, okay? It says in verse 11, And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? So, let's talk about the Pharisees for a minute. So the Pharisees were the guys who felt like it was their job to make sure that everybody was following the law. Now, I'm not talking about like the law, like Barney Fife, the law, okay? I'm talking about God's law. You know, they, they so, and, 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 well, here, let me even more specifically, I'll read you this little nugget out of uh, the ESV study Bible. It says this, it says, Pharisees have regarded uh, would have regarded as sinners anyone who failed to keep God's law, get this, as they interpreted it. <laughs> and then goes on, it says, and the term here seems to reflect a commonly understood meaning by which it included both people guilty of publicly known sin and others who did not keep the strict purity requirements of the Pharisees. So the Pharisees, like, you know, that, I mean, it's, it probably started out like, with like, hey, we need to get together and like help hold each other accountable here, you know, kind of thing. But it turned into like, well, we got God's law, and I think we need to make our own laws to like make sure that everybody follows God's law. You see where that's going, right? I mean, it's, it's a big honking mess. 
is what it is. And, and so you've got the Pharisees, and, and thank God, and Miss Debbie, she came to me after first service. She said, now, Chris, you know there was some good Pharisees in there, Joseph Arimathea and some of I was like, you know what, you're right. And we're, and we're guilty of lumping people into these groups, just like the Pharisees. Well, all the Pharisees are bad. They weren't all bad. But in general, there were a lot of them who basically lived their life to make sure that everybody else was living their life right according to what they thought they should do it as, right? You know, I mean, it's like, it's so crazy. And it goes on right here and it says in verse 12, Jesus heard what the Pharisees said to the disciples. It says, verse 12, but when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. So, Jesus is making this point. Jesus is making this point, well, of course they're sinners. Of course they're sinners. You know, I have people say things like this to me. I'm sure you do too. They say stuff like, man, I can't believe, I can't believe some of the crazy stuff people do in this world. Can you believe how crazy this world is that we live in? Can you believe those people are doing it? You know, or can you believe that that person did that? You know, and I go, you know what? I'm not really all that surprised. And they're like, what? what do you mean? I'm like, they're sinners. They're sinners. And, and let me tell you what, you, you take a person who's already a sinner, we're all sinners, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, we know that. You take a person who's a sinner and you leave them to their sin. Like, the, if they're not seeking the Lord... If, and we know this be true in our lives. If we're not seeking the Lord and we're left to our sin, what do we do? We sin. And sin leads us further into sin. What's the saying? Uh, sin will take you further than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay. I mean, it's amazing how just like a couple, just a couple of, of bad decisions. I've, and, and, and let me tell you what, I've seen some people this week, I know some people this week that I love dearly that have made some bad decisions in their life that are affecting their lives and affecting the people's lives around them in just ways that are just horrendous. And I hate it. But that's what sin does. And people that don't know the Lord, especially, I mean, you know, we, we look at people, we see people meeting, we're like, oh, I can't believe these people are like, well, well of course they, of course they're doing this stuff. Of course they're, they've been left to their own devices. They have chosen sin. They have chosen that over following the grace that comes from the Father through Jesus Christ. Without that, they, we, are sick. And Jesus says, those who are well have no need for a physician, but the ones that are sick, they do. Let me ask you a question. If we believe everything that I just said, if we believe that the people of the world are, that are you know, doing horrendous evil things, let's, let's, let's go to the extremes here, okay? Uh, we'll talk about some of the non-extreme stuff here in a minute. You go to the extremes of like, you know, um, the racist type stuff or whatever it is, and we can point at that and we can go, man, that's sin. We know that that is sin. That is evil, and, and we're real quick to like lump those people as being, those are evil people. Well, if we believe everything that we just said, then we have an understanding that they are sick people. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a, we've got to recognize they need the great physician. 
So how do they get to the great physician? How do they get to the great physician? How do, how do, we, how do we see them through to hearing the gospel, seeing the gospel, and experiencing the love of God, which God has chosen to used through us in our lives. How does that get to those people if we shun those people and we back away? You go, well, Chris, I, you know, I don't know if I know any, like, you know, neo-Nazi, white supremacist. What? Look, everybody's got that neighbor that you, if you're just being real honest today, you got that neighbor, you've been praying to God, God, would you please move those people away? You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you've got that family member, <laughs> you know? You're like, Chris, you better stop. This is getting too personal, all right? I've been reading your mail. I actually have not been reading your mail, but you know. There's a mail lady here. Maybe she's been reading your mail. You know, I think for us to see that God has appointed us to be a part of this world at this time. I want you to hear what I'm saying in that. God has appointed us, chosen for us, for us to live in this time. And, and, and I know, you're, like, you're a little like me, like, God, we could have gone with about 30 years ago, you know, maybe, I don't know, you know, I could have just like moved, you know, take my family with me and have, you know. God has chosen for us to live when we are living now. And he has chosen for the people that live around us to be there for a reason. He's chosen for us to work where we work for a reason. You may not like where you work, but I'm here to tell you today something that's very important to that that might redeem the whole like you don't like where you work, and that's that God's put you there for a purpose. You don't have to love it, but you can at least acknowledge the fact that God is placing you in the lives of people for reasons. And those reasons are always to glorify him. That's, that's his purpose for our life. Those reasons are always that the gospel might go out, that they might, that they might experience the love of God. Let me, let, me just, let me just throw something. Let me just see if it sticks on the wall for you for just a second here. I mean, think about it. And we see this over and over through Scripture. But the power, listen to what I'm about to say, the power of God's love has more power than anything that we could do for anybody, okay? So if we will allow God to use us in the lives of those people that they might experience his love through us, that power scripture teaches us, and we've seen it in person, we know what it looks like, that power has the ability to change people's lives. Jesus comes to a tax collector the most hated of all the people. Matthew, hey buddy, come with me. You're rolling with me now. Thank God that Jesus wanted to wine and dine with Matthew. Where would we be without the Sermon on the Mount? Where would we be without the Great Commission? I mean, I know. I know the answer is God would have, God would have made it happen through somebody else. The rocks cry out. We know that. But he chose Matthew he chose tax collectors to eat with. And he did this on purpose so that we wouldn't push back and go, you know what, I'm just going to set this one out. It's awful messy right now in the world because I know that's what we want to do. 
We just want to, I'm just going to set it out. You know, they don't believe like I do. They're, they're evil people, all this kind of stuff. Let me just let me explain something to you. Jesus died on the cross for them just like he did for us. And they're sick. And you and I know the great physician. How will they ever know the great physician if we're not willing to love them? And you're like, Chris, are you... Are you telling me I need to invite these crazy people into my home and have dinner with them? I think that's a good place to start. We have, whether we meant to or not, we have gotten to this place where without realizing it, sometimes in our lives, and I, I think this is just a gut check for some of us, it is for me, I'm being honest, I'm, I, this is, I'm preaching to myself today, I'm, I'm working through a lot of this maybe just like you are, uh, I grew up where you grew up, I'm, you, know, um, you know, we all have our issues with all that stuff and everything that we've been taught all through our lives and how we view people and filter that and everything. But without realizing it, I think so many of us are meeting the hate of this world with more hate. Folks, we can't do that. And I know, I know that we, we will say, well, I, you know, I gotta protect my family. I'm not saying you don't protect your family. I'm saying that we, if we loved like Jesus has loved, if we would share our lives with people like Jesus shared his life, the love of God would do the power, powerful, changing thing that it does because of what he's done through his son Jesus on the cross because of an empty tomb that three days later that he overcame death. And for people to begin to have relationships with us, and they know, they can know that we don't agree with everything, but that we still love them, is powerful to them. And that's only through the power of God that we can do that. And it speaks amazingly to people's hearts in such a way that it leads them to change. Not because, not because we got some great opinions. Guess what? You're not saving anybody on your opinions today. And neither am I. The only person doing any saving today is Jesus. And folks, I long, I long for the church to be a people group who is going into this world and being light in the midst of the craziness. What's that look like for us? I think you start with the small stuff. I think you, I think, which is really big stuff, let's face it. I think you start with those neighbors you've been praying that God would move them away. I think you start with the knucklehead that you have to work with, that you're like, man, I just wish they'd find another job. Like, Chris, I, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. Don't, hey, don't you think Jesus tried? He tried all the way to the stinking cross. How about that? He has put us where he's put us on purpose. Ephesians 2 says this. Check this out. Ephesians 2, verse 12. Uh, you know what? I can't even get that far. I'm, I'm skipping ahead. Verse 13 in, in, in Matthew 9. Verse 13, Jesus goes on. He says, go and learn. What this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. By the way, this statement is, is, is going to rock the world of the Pharisees. I mean, this had to have just messed them 
up. L- listen to it again. He says, go and learn what this means. And he's given this statement. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Simply put, Jesus is looking for those that recognize their need for him. Jesus is looking for those who recognize they are sick. How do the sick ever recognize that they're sick unless they meet the saved? How do they recognize that they're sick unless they get to know someone who's been healed? You and I have a testimony. If you've trusted in Jesus as your Savior, you and I have a testimony. And you may say, well, I don't have some crazy story like maybe some other people do. I'm just telling you, the life-changing ability of the gospel of what Christ has done to save us from our sin, to offer us forgiveness, is as great for me and you as it is for anybody in this world. And we've got to get past that, you know, oh, that person will never change. They're, that's just who they are. They're evil people. No, we've got to stop that. Because that's a lie that is allowing us to dismiss people as being important to the kingdom of God. And Jesus died on the cross for them. And he defeated death for them. It is an amazing thing. What he has done for us, he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. The Pharisees probably were flipping their lids because their whole system was based upon like, are you doing everything right? Do you have every every little thing just like it's supposed to be from the law as we interpret it? (laughs) And Jesus is saying, hey, guys, I desire mercy. I'm coming with grace. I'm looking for the people who are saying, God, I need your mercy. Not, hey, I got all my things correct today. That's legalism. We know that. Ephesians 2 says this in verse 12. It says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. At one point in your life, that was you. If it's not you now, and you may have not realized it's you now, if that's where you are. If you've never trusted in Jesus, that's where you are now. You are lacking a hope and a peace that only comes through Jesus, I'm just telling you. The the beauty is, is that he offers it to anybody that would believe in him. And it goes on and it says in verse 13, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. And it goes on, about breaks down the... The dividing wall of hostility and all this stuff. I want to skip down to verse 18. In verse 18, it says this. It says, For through him we have both access in one spirit to the Father. One spirit means we're together. We're one church, okay? To the Father. 
So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members, check this out, of the household of God. We have been made sons and daughters, and we are family. And while Jesus gave his life, we as a people hated him. Hated, hated, let me use it again, hated him. We killed him. And yet he still gave his life for us. He still loved us. He was still willing to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. You see, he lived the perfect life. We can't live a perfect life. We're sinners. He lived the perfect life to be this perfect sacrifice that in him, if we trust in him, that his sacrifice, his death, takes the place of the death that we deserve for our own sin. Folks, forgiveness is powerful. Mercy is powerful. Grace is unbelievable. So once we were separated from God, and we know that we're called to love others, we're called to recline at the table with sinners. I want to read this other passage to you out of Ephesians 6. And this is the passage on the armor of God. And if you haven't read this in a while, I was reading through this the last couple of days. If you haven't read this in a while, I challenge you to read it. I challenge you, it's 10 verses. Uh, Ephesians 6, go home, read the whole thing. You might read through it for the next week. You might just kind of go back over it, back over it, and just kind of add, you know, and, and you might need to dig into parts of it and go, you know, what's that look like? What's the breastplate of righteousness? What's that really mean? What's that really look like? Uh, but I want to read, read just a couple of little pieces of this, uh, uh, starting in verse 12. In verse 12 of chapter 6, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, check this out, in, this, in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So I, I, I'm, I'm showing you something to show you there's a there's some balance in here. Really, I don't even know as much a balance of like that we, we go with both of these things. And it's kind of the idea that we go with, with you know, with, with grace and peace. But, you know, this also this understanding that we go with love, but standing firm in the truth. And we can do that. Did you know that we can do that without, without like, you know, making a post about how everybody's wrong every five minutes? Did you know we can do that? Are you, were you all, we all aware? I, I meant to call Facebook and check and see if that was okay this week, and I kind of forgot. But apparently, apparently, people can have differing opinions, and they can be friends. Woohoo! The world has changed forever! God, what is wrong with us? And we so, like, fall into this, like, I'm going to put this out there and everybody is going to love this. And people that differed in opinion with me, they're going to be changed. They're going to walk away from this post going, oh my gosh, they are right. 
here, here's, here's my concern for the church. Here's my concern for the church is that's what they've seen. Instead of seeing a bunch of people who are open-armed going, hey, you know what? I don't necessarily agree with you, but I want you to come eat dinner at my house. We need more dinners with sinners. He says in verse 14, stand there for, and he goes right into the whole armor of God. Stand there for, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, all this stuff. You should go study that. What's all that mean? You should study. Find out on your own. We can love people. We can love people and we can still stand in the truth. And you know what? If those people get the opportunity to meet us and know us and see what God has done in our life and that he has changed us and that he has saved us, how much more would they possibly recognize that maybe, maybe, maybe they're sick too. And maybe God wants to change their life. How much time do we spend praying for those people in our lives? And I'm, I'm emotional about it because I'm convicted over it. And I had the foresight while I'm worshiping there a few minutes ago to just pray for a friend of mine who is an atheist. And he hates Christians. And I love him. And I want him to know Jesus. At some point, we have to be brokenhearted the way that God is brokenhearted so much that he would have sent his son to die for us. And we've got to stop the whole, like, they hate me, I'm going to hate them. Or they're evil, so I'm going to hate them, because that's okay. It's not. They're God's creation. I want to share this video with you. And you could take 15,000 things away from this video. There's the one reason I'm sharing this video with you. I think, well, first of all, I was convicted after I saw it, and convicted after I've been reading the story about this guy, and maybe some of you have seen it too, or read something about him. But here's a guy who's loving people, and he is a believer. Here's a guy who's loving people, despite the situations. I mean, it's an amazing story of what God can do in people's lives. Um, let's watch it together. Two, of the, Two of the greatest speeches ever given in this country were the Gettysburg Address by Abraham Lincoln and the I Have a Dream speech by Martin Luther King. Excuse me a minute. This is where he stood and gave that famous speech. All you have is an etching in the concrete. There's no plaque. There's no sign. Millions of people trample all over that, not even realizing how important that spot is. He says, I have a dream. I call this stepping on the dream. I'm Daryl Davis. I'm a musician, actor, author, and a lecturer. People always say to me, Daryl, how can you have this stuff? Why don't you burn it? As shameful as it is, you don't burn our history, regardless of the good, the bad, the ugly. And the Ku Klux Klan is as American as baseball, apple pie, and Chevrolet. Hey, Frank. Hey, how you doing, man? Hey, Gary. Nice to meet you. My pleasure. Here's my great Titan, Rube. Let me put it on? Yeah. We've got members as young as 18, and then we also have junior clan members. We would fight to the last bullet for our people. Okay, so what can we all do together as a nation? Help save the, the white race. Help save the white race. 
goodness gracious, great ball of fire. How can you hate me when you don't even know me? Look at me and tell me to my face why you would lynch me. This country has been through a lot. It still has a long ways to go. Uh, an awful long way, as news will tell you. I'm mad. We should all be mad. We have a society that has determined that we should fear the black man. Give that person a platform. Allow them to air their views, and people will reciprocate. I never set out to convert anybody. In my quest, some of them ended up converting themselves. Hey, this is somebody I can relate to. If you read about Daryl Moore, you'll find out that there have been untold amounts of people that have been a part of the KKK that have left the KKK because he became friends with them. I want to say that one line again. Because he became friends with them. We can't stop becoming friends with them. Don't think for a second that dudes from the KKK came and found Daryl to hang out with him. He was intentional. He was intentional. He has, of all these people that have come out of the KKK, he has, he has collected, because they have wanted to give it away, he has collected their ropes. He has a collection in his closet. There's another video I watched online. I really wanted to watch it, but I wanted, really wanted to show it. It's like 10 minutes long. And, it, and he's like talking to this other black lady who's like interviewing him or whatever. And he's talking about how like he wanted to try one on. So he tried one on and looked in the mirror to see if there was any power in it or anything, you know. And she's like, you did what? You know? <laughs> Folks, let me just tell you something. If a black man in 2017 can become friends with multiple people from the KKK, that would rather see him dead than to share a slice of pizza, I think we're missing it. I think we've got to pay attention to those people that we have honestly, if we're in our hearts and we're honest, that we have begun to hate, whether it's because of sexual orientation or because of something that they're doing, some sin that they're in, maybe something they've done against us. I don't know what it is. It's different for all of us. God has put us in the lives of these people for a purpose. Thank God that Jesus invited Matthew to come along. The hated, the tax collector. That he might use him. That 2,000 years later, that you and I could read the accounts of our Savior's life one more time through one more set of eyes that we might have the Sermon on the Mount, that we might hear the Great Commission. Folks, God will take whoever He wants to and can change them and use them however He likes. And that is to His glory. May God be glorified for doing that in Matthew's life. May God be glorified in doing that in our lives, that we would be faithful with the relationships that he has put around us. Scott Thomas, a friend of mine, put this 
up this week. He said this. He said, we do not deserve the unconditional embrace of the Father. That is the point of the gospel. We can't make it about what people deserve because we don't deserve it. We don't deserve his grace. They don't deserve his grace. But you know what? That's the beauty of it. It points back to something that God has done for us. Through the work of Jesus, you and I can be sons and daughters. And maybe you're sitting here today, and maybe you need a family. Maybe you've never trusted in the Lord for him to be enough. I'm here to tell you today that he is. I'm here today to tell you that he loves you. He cares for you, and it doesn't matter how much junk you've done in your past. You may say, well, you know what? I've seen Christians. They've let me down. They're hypocrites. They do stupid stuff. I see people in the news that call themselves Christians doing sinful things. We get it. We're not surprised. You know why? Because we're all sinners. And we still fail sometimes. We still fail sometimes. But I'm here today to tell you that the beauty is, is that God has mercy and he's looking for those who know that they too need that mercy. He's looking for the sick. Are you sick today? Do you need Jesus? There's a reason that you and I are alive at this point in history, without a doubt. To show the world the gospel. That's it. To make him famous so that people might know the life-saving power that comes only through Jesus Christ. And you know, I, I watch that video and I think to myself, you know, I, we can get up in arms about all kinds of stuff this day and age. We can. And some of it legitimately, like maybe we can get up in arms about it. But, but let me ask you a question. Is any of it really worth it except being known for the love of Jesus. A lot of folks are mad. And they got all kinds of reasons to be mad. And some of it I understand. Some of it I get mad about too. I don't, I, I don't like, you know, I don't like a lot of things that I see. But you know what? Even if in this world they go around and they tear down every statue of my Savior... That's not going to keep me from being a Christian. And it's not going to keep me from letting others know who God is and who Christ is and what he's done. I can't change that stuff. What good is it for me to be known of being a person that's against all these things? I need to be known as being a person who is for one thing, and that is the love of God. We need more dinners with sinners. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would lead us to be your people. God, help us. Help us to overcome our sin struggles in our life. God, help us to recognize what those things are even. God, we desperately need your guidance in some of that. God, help us to be light. Help us to be the people that you've called us to be, to go into darkness and to be something different, not another talking head talking about the same thing, but people that come with love. God, they'll hear the truth when they see that we love them. 
but they're not going to hear it before. God, help us with that. Help us, God, to be your people. God, use us. Use us in the lives of others. God, may they see us. May they see you when they see us. Lord, we ask that you would use us in those ways. And God, for anyone, Lord, that is listening to this right now, God, I pray that hasn't trusted in you. God, I pray that today they would see that they're sick. And God, that you are the ultimate healer. God, do the work in, in their lives that you've done in my own. Thank you, Lord, for saving me despite myself and despite my sin. We love you in your name. Amen.